Thanks for tuning into the Woods Edge Student Ministry Podcast. We hope you enjoy the message. For more information, you can go to woodsedge.org or look us up on Facebook under Woods Edge Students. Two weeks ago, was it two weeks ago? Was it last week? I can't remember. We, uh, how'd you guys acknowledge, what, what's your worst fear, right? What's your worst physical fear? Many of you, afraid of spiders and sharks. I get it. Imagine if there's like a spider shark out there. <laughs> um, many of you guys acknowledge physical fears, emotional fears, and spiritual fears. We wrote those out. We have already begun praying about those for you. Um, and when you wrote them out, it wasn't just like, here's what you need to know about me. But like you were declaring, Jesus, I want to deal with this. I need your help with this. And that's awesome. And I, I hope and pray and expect that he's already doing that for you. But, you know, unless you're being very intentional about pursuing Jesus in relation to your fear, um, it's not going to happen overnight. It might take a little while, just like discipleship takes a little while. But here we're the, the summary of what most of you are afraid of in one way, shape, or form. Um, as far as emotional fears, the top three emotional fears that we experienced in reading through what you guys shared was a lot of you guys, and this applies to me too, are afraid of being humiliated, right? Nobody wants to be humiliated, embarrassed in public. Uh, that's not something we expect, uh, hope for. It's a fear. You're afraid of being humiliated. I get it. Uh, we're afraid of not being good enough, not measuring up. And that is a consistent fear. That is a consistent sin issue in this area where it's like everybody's got to be the best of the best of the best. It's understandable that we would be afraid that we don't measure up in the eyes of people around us. And then the last thing was everybody, a lot of you shared that you're afraid of being rejected, right? Anybody afraid of that? I'm afraid of that. I don't want to be rejected. Those were your emotional fears. Your spiritual fears were interesting. The emotional fears were things, I'm afraid of this. But the spiritual fears were all questions, right? They're questions. They're like probes. Here's the spiritual fears that we summarize for the whole student ministry. Am I good enough for God? That's a question that you guys have, and it's a very legitimate, fair question. Am I good enough for God? Um, Is my sin too much for God? That's a question that you guys had. That's a question I've had. And those questions lead to, am I actually saved? Like, did it really matter when I said that prayer, when I went to the altar, when I, like, read, like, am I really saved? Those are your top three spiritual fears. But I thought it was interesting. They were, they were questions. It's like you're kind of on the fence. So I asked God about that, and he gave me a, uh, some passages to talk about today to respond to your fears. All right? Get your fear in your mind. Right? Don't cling to it, but just acknowledge it, and we're going to deal with it this morning. Here's the first passage the Lord led me to for you, for us. Imagine, this is God's word for you this morning. Luke 24, 44 through 49 said this, Jesus said, when I was with you before my crucifixion, when he was alive on earth with his disciples, that's what he's saying, when I was with you before my crucifixion, I told you that everything written about me in the law of Moses... And the prophets and in the Psalms must be fulfilled. Jesus has come back to earth after his crucifixion. He's been resurrected. He's alive again. He's in the flesh. He's eating fish, right? He's hanging out. He's there. He's not been conquered by death. And he says to his disciples, when I was with you before, I told you. Everything written in the Old Testament about me had to be fulfilled, including me being crucified on a cross. Then... He opened their minds to understand the scriptures. I love that. And he said, yes, it was written long ago that the Messiah, me, 
that I would have to suffer and die and rise from the dead on the third day. Like it had to happen that way. It was also written that the message, that this message would be proclaimed in the authority of the name of Jesus to all nations. There is forgiveness of sins for all who repent. You guys, there is forgiveness, there is grace, there is freedom available to every one of you that are struggling with fear. This morning, if you repent. So we're going to talk about that. Jesus opened their minds to understand the scriptures. This book is deep. This book is, it's like, it feels magical sometimes, but it's not magic. It's Holy Spirit driven power. There are things in this book that will change your life, but how do we understand them? Well, Jesus opens our minds to understand the things in this book beyond our own ability. And if you don't understand this book, ask Jesus to open your mind to understand the scriptures. He does it. He said it. He promised it. He'll keep his word. Ask him. If you read a passage, you're like, I don't get it. Ask Jesus. Open my mind to understand. He will do it. And you'll read it again and be like, what? I love that he opens our minds to understand the scriptures. And what does he want us to understand? That there is forgiveness of sins. That you don't have to walk around feeling ashamed and guilty and fearful. So what needs to be forgiven? Sin. Sin needs to be forgiven. So what is sin? Here's a definition. Here's three definitions. Sin is a tra transgression of divine law. Basically, you're breaking God's law. Like the Ten Commandments, we, when we break one of those by gossiping or acting on lust or, you know, hurting people or stealing, whatever. We're breaking divine law. We're breaking God's law. Sin is a willful or deliberate violation of any of God's commands. You, you sin, when you sin, you're doing it like intentionally sometimes. When you know the right thing to do and just deliberately choose not to do it. That's sin. And then the last one I love, the condition of estrangement from God arising from any such trans. When we sin, especially when it's deliberate, it's like we're intentionally taking a step away from God. We're intentionally like, I don't want you. I don't need you. I don't, I'm not going to listen to you. And then when you're far from God, you feel it. You feel empty. You feel lost, etc. So that's what sin is. So how are we forgiven for our sins? We confess, right? It was right there. We, we confess our sins. What is confession? An acknowledgement of guilt, especially of one's faults, misdeeds, or crimes, crimes against God. It's an acknowledgement. It's me admitting I have made a mistake. If you're going to apologize to someone, you need to know what you're apologizing for. You need to acknowledge, I stole from you and I am sorry. That's confession. Um, I hit you with my car on purpose because I was mad at you and I'm sorry. That's confession, right? I punched you in the face because you upset me. I'm not saying it's the right thing, this but that's how you confess. You acknowledge, I did this, it was wrong, and I'm sorry. That's all you, if you want to confess your sin to the Lord, that's what you do. This is what I did, I know it was wrong, and I'm sorry. But you got to mean it, all right? An admission of sin or sinfulness, especially to a higher authority. What's the point of knowing that you wronged the Lord, that you hurt yourself, that you intentionally disobeyed the Bible, and then you tell, like, your dog or your ferret? You don't confess your sins to things less than. You confess to a higher authority. You confess to Jesus, God, your creator. All right, so what needs to be forgiven? Sin. How are we forgiven? By we, we confess. And the, confess, the confession that 
we laid before the Lord the other week and that we're still going to camp out in this morning is, um, I have believed a lie. I have believed that I need to walk around feeling ashamed and guilty. I have believed that I'm not good enough for you. I have believed that my sin is too big for you. Those are not true. Those are all lies. None of those things are true. But you and I believe those things, and that's a sin, right? Because God has told us how he sees us, and we're not believing it. So what do we do once we're forgiven, once we've confessed? Because Jesus like, forgiveness. You confess, forgiveness. You don't have to wait. You don't have to earn it. But what do you do afterwards? You repent, all right? What is repentance? It's a deep sorrow or regret for a past action, sin, wrongdoing, or like. You're like, you got to feel it. Hey, Mom, sorry I didn't make my bed this morning. You know, you don't care. But if, like, you really know that it hurt your mom, that you didn't obey her, you did something that really hurt somebody, and you acknowledge, like, I'm sorry I hurt you. I, I know it means a lot to you when you ask me to do things and I don't, and I'm, I'm sorry, and I'm going to work on it. I, I feel your pain. I, I recognize this is bad for me. I, I'm going to do something about it. That's repentance. you got to mean it. A change of mind, such as to produce regret or even remorse on account of sin, but not necessarily a change of heart. Now, this is a definition of repentance, but this is not repentance. If you just decide, okay, I know this is wrong, but you don't let it change your heart. You don't let it change your behavior. That's not true of repentance. That's just like, okay, I recognize this is wrong, but I'm not going to do anything about it. And we struggle with this, you guys. This is the meat of our message today, you guys. I know this is wrong. I believe it. Sorry, but I'm not going to change. I'm happy the way things are going. I know what's best for me, not you, God. That's not repentance. That's pride. A change of mind, heart. I don't know why heart's not in there. And purpose and behavior. That's repentance. A change of mind, heart, purpose, and behavior. Repentance, right? Acknowledge your sin, confess your sin, and then repent. you got to change. If you know that you're believing a lie and you're acting on that lie and it's hurting you and hurting God and hurting people around you, you got to change. And that's where we struggle. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. So the big question for the Woods Edge student ministry based on two weeks ago is this. What does God want us to repent from? He wants us to repent from being pushed around by fear. He wants us to change our behavior and no longer live in fear, under the thumb of fear, letting fear boss you around and dictate your actions and what you do and what you believe about yourself and about God. Because fear tells us to feel embarrassed, doesn't it? Fear tells us we're rejected. Fear tells us that we're less than other people. And when fear tells us those things and makes us feel that way, those feelings force us to wonder, am I good enough for God? Is my sin too much for God? Am I even saved? Fear tells us how to feel, and those feelings make us ask these questions. Am I good enough for God? Is my sin too big for God? Am I even forgiven? If you wrote something down like that last week, that's why. Fear is pushing you around. It's telling you how to feel, and it's causing you to question your salvation. That's not good for me. That's not good for you. And thanks God, he tells us how to deal with it. Whatever we fear will rule our life. The One of the biggest stories in the Old Testament, it was in the first four of the five books of the Old Testament, was a story about the Israelites in the wilderness. And they were afraid, right? They chose fear over God. They wouldn't trust God. And as a result, they stumbled around 
in the wilderness for 40 years. Do you want to stumble around in your life for the next 40 years and then figure it out? Or do you want to be set free from fear today? Because it's available right now, all day, every day. God's like 7-Eleven. He doesn't close. We all have a choice this morning. Are you going to believe, are you going to sit in what fear is telling you to feel, what fear is telling you to believe, or are you going to rest in what God is saying to you, what he wants you to believe and feel? We know what fear says, so what does God say? Fear says, you're garbage. You're not good enough. You're not even saved. Here's what God has to say about you. Get your fear in your mind. Maybe acknowledge for a second how it makes you feel. This is what God has to say about who you are in his eyes right now and how you should feel. Rebels stumble because they do not obey God's word. And so they meet the fate that was planned for them. That's rebels. But you are not like that. For you are a chosen people. You are a royal priest's and priestesses. You are a holy nation. You are God's very own possession. And as a result, you can show other people the goodness of God. For he called you out of darkness and out of fear into his wonderful light. Once you had an identity, once you had no identity as a people, now you were God's people. Once you received no mercy, now you have received God's mercy. That is who we are, you guys. We're royalty. We're princes and princesses and kings and queens. That's how God sees us. That's how he wants us to feel about ourselves. And princes and princesses, like the, the rulers, the, the top, top dogs, don't walk around looking at their feet, feeling ashamed and embarrassed and fearful. They rule. And that's what God is calling you guys and me to do. But how can we know that we're princes and princesses? Unless somebody tells us, unless somebody corrects us, all right? We're going to watch a video here for a second. We're going to watch the uh, gymnastics one. And I want you guys to take a a lesson from this video. These guys that you're about to see for this minute or so, they're doing it wrong. They're not doing what they've been trained to do properly, and they're getting hurt as a result. So check it out. told us in this book that we can understand if we ask him to open our minds how to live life well so that we don't get hurt and if you're believing that fear should be your ruler if you're sitting there right now hearing what I'm saying and yet still thinking well not me you guys you're hurting yourselves and God doesn't want that for you he wants you to live as royalty not rebels right and I I used to work out right I used to do something like that um 
to, to get strong and to, to be fit. And I just decided this is what I'm going to do to get strong and make some muscles. And I just started to do it. And I was, I'd lift weights behind my back. I would do the stair thing. And I got strong. But I was working out based on my best opinion of how I should work out. I was working out based on my best idea of what would make me big and puffy, right? And I was working out wrong. And over time, I got strong, and then I got hurt. I hurt my back, and I hurt my neck. I worked out for years wrong, and nobody ever corrected me. And I never asked for advice, and I hurt myself. And there was a period of two full years where driving a car... I couldn't check my blind spot. Even just now it hurt. I couldn't check my blind spot because I had hurt myself so bad working out wrong that I I couldn't turn my neck. And today, it's been years since I used to work out like that, but today I still have neck and back pain because I worked out wrong. I believed the wrong thing. I acted on the wrong thing that I believed, and it hurt me. If you believe that you should be embarrassed and you should be ashamed and you should walk around with your head held low, you're hurting yourself. That's not who God made you to be. And he's trying to correct you. He's trying to give you freedom. God wants us to save us from pain and suffering. He wants to save us from believing things that hurt us and then doing things in a way that hurts us. Matthew chapter 3, 1 through 3 says this. John the Baptist, right, the guy that proclaimed, hey, Jesus is about to come up on the scene. In those days, John the Baptist came to the Judean wilderness and began preaching. And his message was, repent, change, repent of your sins and turn to God, for the kingdom of heaven is near. The prophet Isaiah, Old Testament guy, he was speaking about John the Baptist when he said, he is a voice shouting in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord's coming clear the road for him. God saves us by telling us truth. That's why you come here on Sundays and Wednesdays, to hear truth. Because the world we live in is neck deep in lies. And we're desperate for truth. And the message of John declaring Jesus is here is this. If you want Jesus in your life, you need to make some room inside. You need to make some room in your heart for Jesus. How do you do that? Well, you acknowledge that you've been believing a lie. The lie we're dealing with this morning is whatever you're afraid of, that you need to obey that. That's the lie we're dealing with. Acknowledge it. Acknowledge your sin. I'm believing this. It ain't feeling good. It ain't working out. Just acknowledge it. How else? Well, replace that lie with truth. You're hearing truth this morning. Replace the lie that you should walk around with your head held low and being afraid with the truth that you're royalty in the eyes of Jesus. You're amazing in God's eyes. Right now, I don't care what you did yesterday. Even then, you're right now perfect in the eyes of God. And then, the thing we miss is put that truth into action. What would happen if all of you woke up in the morning tomorrow and you walked through your day thinking, I am a prince. I am a queen in the eyes of the Lord. I am holy and blameless. I am loved by God. I am here to take care of other people. What would happen if we all woke up tomorrow and walked that out? It would change everything. It would change everything. What does that action look like? Here's the passage we're going to camp out in for the rest of the morning. Isaiah chapter 40, right? John the Baptist said, 
I'm repeating what Isaiah said. Well, let's look at Isaiah, what he said hundreds of years before Jesus was even born about the coming Messiah. He says this, comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to God's people. Tell them that their sad days are gone and their sins have been pardoned. Yes, the Lord has punished his people twice over, twice over for all her sins. Listen, it's the voice of someone shouting in the wilderness. Clear the way through the wilderness for the Lord. Make a straight highway through the wasteland for our God. Fill in the valleys. Level the mountains and hills. Straighten the curves. Smooth out the rough places. And then the glory of the Lord will be revealed. And all people will see it together. The Lord has spoken. And a voice said, shout. And I asked, what should I shout? Shout that people are like grass. Their beauty fades as quickly as flowers in a field. The grass withers, the flowers fade beneath the breath, the truth of the Lord. And so it is with people. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of our God stands forever. Here's the takeaways for us this morning from that passage. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem, to God's people, to the student ministry of Wood's Edge. Tell them their sad days, they're gone. They're over, you guys. Your sins have been forgiven, if you'll ask. Yes, the Lord has punished all of you twice over for all your sins. I'll, I'll have to spank my son sometimes. Um, it's awesome. Wyatt will disobey me, and the punishment that works for him is spankings. And sometimes i got to spank him twice. And I'll, whenever I spank him, he's like, you're going to spank me twice? And I'm like, no, today's just once. And he's like, you're going to spank me twice? And he doesn't want to get spanked twice, right? One is enough. Two is just like too much for him. But sometimes i got to spank him twice. And that really gets the point across, right? Twice the punishment. And God is saying, I've punished you for your sins, for your wrong beliefs, for being slaves to fear, twice over, right? That's a big deal. How has he punished you? Because he took all of our sins and the results and the consequences of all of our wrongdoing, right, spiritually, and he put them on Jesus. Think about anything, whatever you know about Jesus and how much he suffered. He punished Jesus twice over for all of our sins. So why do you think he's going to walk around looking for an opportunity to punish you, make you feel bad for what you did wrong? He's already delivered the punishment. He doesn't have to spank anybody. It's already been done. So what right do I have or you have to walk around just whipping yourself and beating yourself up for your mistakes? It's already been paid for. How does this message start? Comfort. Comfort my people. You guys, God is a comforter. If you're feeling negative about your sins, if you're hating yourself, that's not the voice of God. That's the voice of the enemy. Shaming you. Making you feel bad. God is a comforter. He's speaking tenderly and saying, you don't have to live like this anymore. You don't have to be a slave to fear anymore. Just come. Come listen to me. I got good things to say to you. Don't feel bad. You made some mistakes. Well, today's your opportunity to get out from underneath them. 
Forgiveness and grace and freedom are available right now. Listen. It's the voice of someone shouting. Clear the way through the wilderness for the Lord. Make a straight highway through the wasteland for our God. God is shouting to us this morning and saying, what Justin is telling you this morning is important, so listen. Through the wilderness, through the wasteland. Does anybody ever feel like their life is like a wilderness? It's just a mess. It's just crazy. You can't even see your way out. Do you ever feel like your life is a wasteland, like there's nothing good inside? That's what God is addressing. He's saying, clear the way. I will help you find the way out of the mess that you're in. God is shouting from heaven, stop hurting yourselves by believing fear is your God, that fear rules you. Follow my voice. Listen, I will lead you out of the mess you're in. I'll just pause right now. Who feels like they're in any sort of mess right now in their life? Is there anything in your life that's just like, man, that's a mess. I don't know how to deal with that. I don't, have, I don't know how to deal with the feelings that I have about that. I would imagine all of you in some way, shape, or form are feeling like, I got a mess. God is shouting to you today. I want to set you free from your mess. Listen to my voice. Follow me out of the way. Fill in the valleys. Level the mountains and hills. Straighten the curves. Smooth out the rough places. Then the glory of the Lord will be revealed and all people will see it together. The Lord has spoken. I love this geography metaphor are you feeling empty inside well god wants to show you how to fill in the valleys inside of you you got a hole in you god wants to fill it with love and purpose are you like me do you wrestle with pride right do you think that you're all that in a bag of chips that's not good for you it's definitely not good for me and god is saying i'm going to show you how to remove pride I'm going to help you. It's going to require some acknowledgement. It's going to require some confession. And it's going to require you to change. But I'm going to help you with your pride. Um, Do you feel like you're walking on a crooked line? Like you don't know if you're going this way or this way. Or maybe during the course of the day you go all kinds of ways. If you feel like you're walking on a crooked path, God is saying, I will show you how to make that path straight and narrow. Easy. Smooth. Are you rough around the edges? Are you a little snarly? Anybody wrestle with anger? I I still have a problem with anger today. I'm ashamed to admit it. But I'm not ashamed because God's working on it in me. He's helping me. Do you have some stuff on the periphery of your life or your personality that just rubs people the wrong way, rubs you the wrong way? God says, let me help you and I will smooth you out. I will soften you up. I will make you loving and gentle. If we set God's truth loose in our hearts, He's going to heal us so much. He's going to pour out so many blessings and so much favor on us that everybody you know in your life will look at you and go, how did you do that? I want some of that. The glory of the Lord will be revealed. And people will look at your life after applying God's truth, like working at it, and they will say, you're different. You're not the same person you were this summer. How did you do that? And you'll be able to show off Jesus to them. A voice said, shout. And I asked, what should I shout? Shout that people are like grass. Their beauty fades as quickly as the flowers in a field. The grass withers, the flowers fade beneath the breath of the Lord. And so it is with people, with you and me. We wither, we fade. But the word of the Lord stands forever. You guys, God is saying to you, 
even at your tender 12 and 13-year-old selves, your life is short. You are only here for a moment. I'm 40, 41 this November, and I feel like I was just 18 yesterday. Like, where did it go? Life is so short. We get sick. We get old. We get hurt. We will die. Like, we will, we will not be here forever. Um, I'm 40 years old. I have multiple near-death experiences. I can't explain how I survived some nights in the car, um, sometimes hiking. Like, I, I don't have a right to be alive right now. I've had multiple, like, one more step and I'd be over. Um, I've been doing student ministry for almost a decade, and I have lost students. I have lost friends in my life that have killed themselves, that have died from cancer, that have been in car accidents. They're gone forever. And if they didn't put their life in Jesus' hands, confess their need for him when they were alive, like that was their only chance. This is your only chance to live a life for Jesus. And he doesn't want you to walk through life being afraid, being ashamed, being guilty. How's that working out for you? Do you like waking up in the morning feeling like garbage? Jesus didn't make you for that. He made you to be like a, like a flower, like a sunrise, like to shine and to bloom. The word of the Lord is the only thing in this life that lasts forever. I have had many different circumstances in life. I've been rich. I've been poor. Um, I've had opinions. They've changed. I've watched this country over the last 30 years since I've been old enough to notice completely change. We're about to have a brand new president. God help us, whoever it is. Things are changing all the time, but the word of the Lord lasts forever. This book will never expire. The truth that you come and hear here, you know what I mean. The accountability and the prayer that gets poured out on you on Wednesday nights here will never change. God's word never changes. These things will always be true. So you can decide today, I want to change, or you can wait for 40 years if you make it. But don't wait. This is true now. God wants to set you free from sin and fear right now. Let's not wait. Let's get to work. So what's God's word, that true word for us this morning? Dwight, you guys come on up here. I'm going to read you guys a paraphrased passage from Ezra chapter 10. This is part of the scripture God gave me for my year. This scripture leading my whole year. And if it's leading me and I'm your pastor, it's going to affect you too. We're about to do a teaching series called the Vineyard Initiative in just a couple weeks. And for eight weeks in a row, we're going to talk about very specific areas of life where we need to repent. Not just acknowledge, I've been doing things the wrong way and it's hurting me. But change. Do something about it. But this is so key right here. It just summarizes the whole message I've been sharing this morning. Here's what Ezra, the priest, had to say to his people back in the day. Confess your sin to the Lord and do what he demands. Acknowledge that you've been making some mistakes. It's okay. We all do. Admit it. Acknowledge it. I've been believing this, and it's I just based on what Justin said, I, it's not true, but I believe it. Just acknowledge it. Confess your sin to the Lord, but then do what he demands. 
There's a difference between being set free and then walking in freedom. If a prisoner is released from prison for selling drugs, he's free. But if he goes straight back to selling drugs that day, he's going back to jail. We do that every day. We come here on Sunday and we get set free from sin and then we just charge right back into the behavior that led us there. And God is saying, I will show you a better way if you let me. Confess your sin to the Lord and do what he demands. Separate yourselves from the lies you have believed. And from the sinful behavior those lies led to. Separate yourself from believing, I should be afraid, I should be ashamed, I should be guilty. And separate yourself from the behavior that made you feel that way in the first place. You know what it is. What's that thing that you do that you wrestle with that makes you feel like garbage? Separate yourself. Do something about it. God will help you. Then the people, hearing this charge from their pastor, they answered, yes, you are right. We will do as you say. I don't want you to do it because I said it. I want you to do it because Jesus paid the price twice over for all the garbage that you feel so you could live free as princes and princesses and you are selling yourselves short walking around running into the same wall all the time be free say yes to Jesus today say yes to his truth say yes to changing and doing things better this year God is trying desperately. He's screaming from heaven, I want to protect you. I want to correct you. I want to comfort you. But in order for any of those things to happen, we must acknowledge I've been believing a lie. We must replace that lie with some truth. And then we must turn that truth into action. If God says you're royalty, if God says don't be ashamed, then walk it out. Don't just know it, like live it. can't just confess our sins anymore in this room and then walk out and keep making the same mistakes. God is saying, change. I will change you if you say yes to me. Every year in the student ministry, around this time of year in the fall, I take a rock. So I've been leading the student ministry three years. I got three rocks. What's up, rocks? In 2014, the rock that I placed before the student ministry was built on this. Are you willing to believe that God loves you? Are, you? are you just willing to believe that he's real and that he loves you and that he knows the best way for your life? And I charge the students that at the end of that service when I introduce Mr. Rock to come up and just write down, I believe. And 250 kids or so write down, I believe. And we just use this as a remembering point, kind of a stumbling block, right, that I, I declare I believe in God. And that led us through all the year. In 2015, our stone was, I receive. Are you willing to receive all that God has for you this year? And if, you, if so, make your mark. And, and look at this every Sunday. And remember that you declared, I'm going to receive gifts from Jesus. This year, we're going stupid simple. We're going to get right to the heart of the matter. Are you willing 
this year to say yes to Jesus? Are you willing to say yes, I want to do things differently? If so, in just a moment, you're going to come up and write just the word yes on this rock. And it's going to be your remembering stone. This is going to be a reminder to you, I said yes to Jesus. So that every Sunday and every Wednesday when he calls you out and calls you up and says, are you going to do this? You said yes. But don't come up here and write on this stone and make a declaration to God if you have no intention of changing your life this year. You'll be lying to him and he doesn't like it. He takes it really serious. And if you're not ready to say yes this morning, that's fine. This rock is here all year. You can come up in a month in the middle of my sermon and just write yes. And that's great. So take this seriously. But if you're ready, if you're willing to say yes, I don't want the same year I had last year. I don't want to stay a slave to this sin issue. I don't want to be a slave to this behavior. I am sick and tired of fear. Then come up here and say yes to Jesus. I'm going to pray for us. And then you come up and you respond as you feel led. We got communion, we got our tithe and offering. And we got this guy right here. Are you ready? Are you willing to say yes to Jesus this year and see everything change? I think you are. I think you're ready. Bow your heads. Jesus, I, I want to charge my students, but I feel like I'm already there. So would you just use this passage of Scripture? As I read it, would you let it be their prayer for themselves? Would you be... Would you let it be their declaration? And would you move? Would you pour out your spirit? Would you change our world today by our declaration? Yes, I need Jesus. Students, this is my prayer for you from Deuteronomy. These are the words of the Lord to you. Today, I am giving you a choice between life and death, between prosperity and disaster. I command you this day to love the Lord your God, to keep his commands, decrees, and regulations by walking in his ways. If you do this, you will live, you will multiply, and the Lord your God will bless you. But if your heart turns away and you refuse to listen, if you are drawn away to serve and worship your fear, then I warn you from love that you will be destroyed. Today I have given you the choice between life and death, between blessings and curses. Now I call on heaven and earth to witness the choice that each of you make. Oh, that you would choose life so that you and your descendants might live. You can make this choice by loving the Lord your God, by obeying Him, by committing yourself firmly to Him. This decision is the key to your life. Jesus, pour out a spirit of courage in this room, pour out a spirit of conviction that leads to action. We want freedom. We don't want fear. We say yes to you. And it's in your son's name we pray, Lord. Amen. You guys come up and respond as you feel led.
Thanks for listening to the Woods Edge Student Ministry Podcast. Please feel free to share copies of this podcast, but do not charge for those copies or alter the content in any way. For more information, please visit woodsedge.org or find us on Facebook under Woods Edge Students.